Welcome back to Trading 360. It's time now for our 360 round. It's all about cryptocurrencies. Big news today, too. Ben McMillan's with us, CIO, IDX Digital Assets. Ben, thanks for being with us. Obviously, a lot of talk today about tap, the Taproot upgrade and also the improve that we've seen in speed and functionality because of it. It took a long time. It was delayed. But this is supposed to be some good news for Bitcoin and Bitcoin investors, right? No, I mean, this is great news. Um, and it's, I mean, your point about it's taking a long time. I mean, again, anybody that's been involved in the developer community of Bitcoin can remember, you know, half a decade of kind of talking about these upgrades. But now that they're here, it's important to note that, you know, they've really worked well. Lightning has been a huge success. Um, it's one that you don't hear as much about as I think you would. Taproot is a huge upgrade. Allows Bitcoin to be, you know, cheaper, more scalable, um, uh, better functionality as it relates to smart contracts. So these are these are very good developments. And what about some of the other names in crypto that we continue to follow? I mean, there's even thoughts that maybe, you know, Ether could be a, a threat to Bitcoin for traders there. I mean, I did see Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, Solana. Everything was higher today that I was checking on. But what's the big picture on all things crypto? I mean, I think it's interesting, you know, so so Ether really saw a lot of strength based on its smart contract functionality. That was always kind of the, you know, the, 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 the big thing that Ethereum had over Bitcoin. And so that's why Taproot is so important for Bitcoin moving beyond just a store of value or just payments. You know, the ability to kind of start building applications, much like what's been built on the DeFi landscape, you know, largely on Ethereum, but also other layer one chains. Is, is really, that's why Taproot can't be underestimated. And I think, you know, you're just starting to continue to see, you know, mainstream adoption. You know, the if we go back to the last time, you know, we spoke, the, the Bitcoin futures ETF was, a, was a, you know, the big story. It was a remarkable success. You know, and even in the conversations we're having with clients, we're starting to see a lot more people, a lot more investors who are fiduciaries saying, my clients want exposure to this. You know, we've kind of crossed the Rubicon right. where it's a mainstream asset um, and that's being reflected in the prices. So, um, as, as we said, it took a time. They had to, to get this right. It was actually supposed to happen earlier in the year over the summer, but they couldn't afford any bugs or mishaps or whatever. So it had to be done correctly. That being said, um, you know, your models continue to be in the cautiously optimistic zone. Could you explain that for folks who love saying Bitcoin 100,000? <laughs> what, what do you say to no, that? I mean, it's no, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. You know, if you go back even a year ago, it was all about the upside of Bitcoin, you know, even for the conversations we would have with investors. But I think it's important to note that as, as adoption continues to increase, a lot of the investors that we're seeing start to think about digital assets, you know, they're coming in at all time highs. For them, it's much more about the downside. And, you know, let's also not forget, and we've had this conversation with, with multiple prospective investors this year is, you know, Bitcoin did start the year at, you know, $29,000, $30,000, but we've had three drawdowns that would be considered bear markets by traditional asset classes. And so those risks are very top of mind. And so specifically for our models, they are designed to be very risk judicious, meaning, you know, our whole ethos as a firm is about helping investors take smart risks, compensated risks. And when you see Bitcoin kind of stalling out at all time highs, despite the fact that the, the structural bull case is intact, you know, we're starting to see the inflation uh, thesis. It's while still intact, it's starting to you know largely be priced in, subside a little bit. And mm -hmm. you know, if you look at Bitcoin's, what I, what I found interesting is you look at Bitcoin's price action last week when the CPI numbers came out. You know, there was a brief bump, but then it sold off pretty quickly as the interest rate market started potentially pricing in 
uh, higher rate hikes. And so, you know, all of right. those give kind of cause for concern. We're still cautiously optimistic. We're still long, but we've taken our models have taken some profits, raised some cash that kind of sit on the sidelines. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to also bring into the conversation Kevin Green, Senior Derivatives Manager, Charles Schwab, to take a look at the chart of Bitcoin as well. Kevin, thanks for being here. Wanted to look. I know you're watching um, the key levels of support and resistance when it comes to Bitcoin, which isn't that far off of its all time highs. Um, how are you feeling about the chart? Yeah, I mean, from a chart standpoint, and Nicole, thank you for having me on. From a chart standpoint, there still is a case to be uh, bullish for for Bitcoin. If I'm looking from a technical uh, area, just from a short-term standpoint, I'm looking at a $62,500 uh, uh, support area and then resistance at 66500 That's just really short-term, a week or two weeks. Uh, but there can be a case for uh, a continued move to the upside. I think uh, one of the... Uh, point that was well made as well uh, is the actual reaction of what's going to actually happen next year when the Fed starts manually raise, raising rates. We see a really strong correlation between the 10-year and Bitcoin as of right now. Let's see if that correlation is going to continue through uh, July and August next year as the Fed moves up the rates. How is Bitcoin going to be able to react since institutions are using it as a uh, inflationary and interest rate hedge? Yeah, that we talk so much about. Infl we put inflation and Bitcoin in the same sentence and watch those rates so closely. And also, Ben, you know, how much the other part of this is just the the adoption of Bitcoin, right? We saw it in El Salvador when they basically made it legal tender. You have Eric Adams, the mayoral elect here in New York City, who says he wants his first paychecks in Bitcoin, which he cannot actually get because they can only pay dollars, but he's going to transfer them to Bitcoin quickly. Um, I mean, some of that brings, and he wants to teach crypto in schools. I mean, the broad-based adoption is key too, right? Ben, quickly. It, absolutely, absolutely. And that's, again, that's what's interesting for us in the conversations we've had. You know, most of our clients, um, the vast majority are uh, institutional clients or fiduciaries. And so, you know, we're, we're seeing their perspectives. And, you know, even just a year ago, it was still very much kind of a curiosity. You know, you had some early adopters, but we're at the point now, I mean, I just had a conversation with a, a European CIO, a, a client of ours, and, you know, he himself was somewhat skeptical. We've kind of had the Bitcoin debate for years at this point. And he said, you know, we're at the point now where literally every single one of my clients is asking about it. I know we have to have exposure. Risk is top of mind, which is why we like risk managed exposure. But it's, it's beyond uh -huh. being a theoretical construct. I mean, you know, the use cases, like you said, it's just, you know, uh, credit card processors, right. you know, settling transactions, all of it. I mean, it's it's really, you know, it's it's very real. It's here to stay. You know, I always tell people this is yeah. like the internet. You know, we've gotten to the point where it's 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 real. Kevin, I wanted to get your thoughts. I know you had some thoughts on Ethereum and some of the other altcoins. What is it that you're watching most closely here? Uh, definitely looking at uh, what's going on in the Ethereum uh, marketplace, and only because it, it seems to actually have, from an algorithmic standpoint, it's a little bit more efficient. Um, from an energy standpoint and processing standpoint than Bitcoin. Um, and I know that there's a really big focus within the investing community around ESG and making sure that we're trying to be uh, sustainable. Uh, so I think Ethereum probably provides the best of both worlds as far as uh, exposure to uh, the institutional traders, since it does have a platform on the CME as far as uh, trading futures, but also uh, interest from the retail traders as well. But there's so many different coins that are coming up so quick, and I think that's going to impact some of the liquidity. Now, when 
you're looking at Bitcoin, a lot of institutions are trading it now, I would say about 75%. So there's a lot of liquidity there. Uh, but uh, the trends from a retail trader standpoint, uh, these coins are popping up overnight. <laughs> They're popping and they seem yeah. to try to uh, fizzle out a little bit. So I would suspect that we probably will still see that trend. But the main players, Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin, uh, still seem to be yeah. uh, holding their ground here in this crypto market. Mm -hmm. Kevin Green, Charles Schwab. Ben McMillan, IDX Digital Assets. Thank you both for being here. Great luck here at All Things Crypto.